Welcome to the Brand Ambassadors, your wide-angle look at the field of PR and what it means for your company. Your host is Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield. Every firm has a compelling narrative that sets them apart from the crowd. In your company, you can use your own background and storytelling to your advantage as well as that of your business. Now, here are your hosts, Merritt Hamilton Allen and Gary Potterfield. Good morning and welcome to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Merritt Hamilton Allen, uh, joined by co-host Gary Potterfield. It's so nice to have you back in country, Gary. Well, thank you. Well, I was here last, I remember last week I was in country. You probably didn't realize I was sitting across I, from you. I know, from, I know, no, and you're back again. You're, you're back oh. again. It's just so awesome. Oh, okay. Great. We have a unique and, uh, situation. Got, this is the first uh, time we've done this. I was about to say, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead we've got, yeah, we usually have guests in the studio, and I actually happen to be, my house guest is also one of our favorite guests, uh, Kim Marks Malone, uh, uh, PR maven, retired Navy commander, Vox Optima consultant, and instructor at uh, University of Memphis. And we're going to talk to Kim in just a minute, but... Uh, uh, October has been uh, uh, kind of a, uh, a rough month. Um, it, uh, personally, uh, the loss of State Representative Larry Laranyaga, a close family friend, um, our own Maciek Vosniak uh, lost his father, and then one of our oldest colleagues, Gary Lyle Bunn, passed away last week. This is uh, I, and I just uh, given the topic of, of our show, I think we need to talk about Lyle a little bit. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I don't know. I, when we got the uh, email um, from um, our friend Mark Mantha, I would just. I just. I was walking in a store. I just stopped, and uh, it's one of those moments when, you know, just total shock because, you know, it's you never expect things like this, but it's just. I don't know. He's, he, Lyle Bunn was so full of life, and um, it just was totally out of left field, and um, and uh, yeah, that was a real shock um, for me. I know for you as well. Well, we came to know him just through uh, your meeting him at a trade show, um, kind of at the beginning of the digital signage uh, uh, effort, movement, revolution, whatever you want to call it. And just by explaining what we were trying to do for our government uh, clients, um, it, it was like we had this instant advisor. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he was so uh, he was so uh, important to the beginning of us getting started in this. Remember, we went down to we went down to Orlando, and uh, <clears throat> and and went to the Infocom show. And I remember that those he and I think it was he and Mark uh, Mantha were were doing a presentation. Yep. And when it was over, uh, it's like we got to we got to talk to these guys because they they obviously know something and we we know nothing about this industry. And that started it off with uh, just, I just, you know, Mark, Mark as well, but Lyle just so incredibly um, supportive from the very beginning to uh, until the end. I mean, he was just incredible what he was able to do, and I've learned so much from I learned from so much from him, not just about the industry, which was a tremendous amount, but just about um, how to conduct yourself as a person. Uh, a unique way of marketing yourself. Um, just so many things. Well, and what, what help? I think what where Lyle helped me um, a great deal 
was really kind of getting out of yourself. And when you're out promoting a business you own or a small business you're part of, you can get very personality based and you also get very um, defensive. And uh, I, I feel like uh, working with Lyle, you kind of learn, hey, there's enough work for everybody. And if we help each other, we can all be profitable and we can go uh, we can go after clients together. And I think it helped me a lot with the idea of teaming. Right. I mean, I mean, it, 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 the thing that comes to my mind is, you know, he had an always be helping me, uh, idea. I don't never once in the entire time that we knew him, did he ever, there was never a pitch. I mean, there was never like, there was never this guy who's, you know, very important, hugely important in the digital science industry. And I think we should mention that in a minute, but never once do I remember him saying, well, I've got this product I want to sell you, or let me tell you, let me sell you my consulting. It was never that. It was I, uh, one of the last emails, well, I've, uh, not one of the last emails, but an email in 2016, uh, looking at earlier this morning from Lyle, and uh, we had invited him as we always did to our any of our events, and we had a we were having a you know reception here in D.C. And he couldn't make it because he was going to be in San Diego. But, of course, he said, well, I'm going to be in San Diego. Is there anything I can do for you while I'm out there? I mean, that's just so – that was just so Lyle. It was just – that's the way he was. Yeah, and his, and, that, and his personal brand was, can I help you? And um, in the most sincere way, and uh, certainly, uh, I think he and Mark Manth were instrumental in us being the first firm to provide real-time digital signage content to uh, Navy clients. And uh, we've been growing that ever since, and uh, we owe so much of it to Lyle. We do. He, uh, just real quick, if, you have, if, you, uh, if you're listening and you have the opportunity, look up Lyle Bunn, last name B-U-N-N, uh, and you'll see uh, how important he was to this industry. Um, this past year was the first time in 13 years he did not attend the Digital Signage Expo. And I had emailed him and asked him, you know, to, to because of this show, I was saying, hey, I wanted to you know, talk to some folks, and certainly I wanted to talk to him. He goes, well, Gary, I'm not going to attend this year. Uh, for the first time in 13 years, and but he introduced us to uh, Mason Page, who was somebody who works for Polaris, who we had on the show, and um, it, it's just I was shocked. Of, what do you mean, Lyle Bunn? I, I joked and said, uh, you know, Lyle Bunn not attending digital signage expos like you know, peanut butter without jelly. It just it, it just it was a, so I was really sad not to see him out there. But anyway, uh, he was one of the, listed as one of the 11 most influential people in the industry. Uh, just so many things that he had done. So uh, worthwhile looking him up um, for an absolute leader. And there's lots of stuff on the internet about him now, about his passing. Young, 63-year-old, uh, so full of life. Uh, and that's all, another part of it. Um, anyway, so. But sad, I think all I think that. all of us who, yes, but all of us who worked worked with him and really learned his style of. Uh, cooperative marketing, um, I think we'll we'll be able to carry that on. And uh, I, I know I'll certainly try harder. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, Lyle will uh, we'll live on with us, absolutely. And uh, and we're going to continue on. And um, whenever we do our digital signage work, which we hope to do more and more and more of it, um, he, he'll always be a part of that for us. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and uh, it, it was uh, fortuitous that um, uh, Kim Marks Malone was making a cross-country trip with her son and stopping off of exit 181 on I-40 in New Mexico because we had a captive uh, captive guest. So good morning, Kim. Good morning, Merrick. So we wanted to talk uh, about data. And I know you just finished doing a course on reading polls. And 
we are less than three weeks before the uh, the next uh, general election. Well, to, just to start off, what do you th- what would you tell people to be looking at if? Uh, they're looking at polls to decide, make a decision. What I always tell my students and what they're always shocked to discover is uh, to pay attention to that margin of error and to pay attention to the sample size. Um, and if you can, if it's a written poll, a lot of times you can do some research and find out you know, how the sample was taken and where it was mm-hmm. taken. But that margin of error always cracks me up because my students... You know, I always give them polls from the 2016 election as examples, and I say, you know, let's look at the advantage, you know, a story on one news station will say, um, you know, this candidate has the advantage and is so many points ahead. And then I say, well, look at the other news station who maybe thinks on the other side of the political spectrum and see what they're saying. And to them, their candidate is, you know, so many points ahead. And, And they always say, well, how can they say that? You know, how can the same poll tell two different stories? And I said, well, if you look at the margin of error and you actually do the math, you'll discover that the candidates are so close to each other, the numbers overlap. So, of course, it's very easy to make the statistics tell the story that, you know, you want it to tell. And they always that's always an eye opener for them. And then they always start to be a little more critical when they look at polls and and think about, you know, what, what are the numbers really saying? You know, I, I'm a little, um, I'm still a little in the dark about the reality of of what really happens in polling because, I mean, I've never, uh, I've never walked out of a store and had someone stop me and say, "Can I ask you a question?" Well, that's not totally true, but about anything like an election <laughs> or anything like that. But, you know, so I, I, I just get in my, in my mind how much of this is subjective, in in terms of the way it's done, and how much of it is is purely math and science. Uh, so, how, how does that break down, Kim? Well, you know, if you're if you're going to do a truly scientific poll, you're going to try and you know you're going to use that random sampling, and you're going to make sure that your target population, everybody in that population, has an equal opportunity to be a part of your poll. Um, and I honestly have it's kind of like all done behind the curtain. I don't really know how some of these polls are conducted either, um, but we would hope that they would have a, a very scientific sampling um, so that it really is representative. Typically, though, I don't know that they do. I think that sometimes, um, I, I don't know, Merritt, what do you think, where they get their sample from? Well, yeah, you know, it really depends. Uh, in New Mexico, we have one very uh, credible polling firm, uh, uh, and I cannot even remember, it. it it's, it's a very basic name, but um, Brian Sanderoff is uh, the statistician behind it. And I, he's kind of the Nate Silver of uh, of New Mexico. And what I what I really notice is so few people are even bothering here, and the sample size, or they allow their campaign firm to do a pseudo poll via robocall, where you just you know Bing Bing, and they call and they call that science. So yeah, <laughs> to to me, it is uh, you know statistics is the PR of numbers. And you're only as good as um, uh, your sample and the population you're reaching and how, you, uh, how you're reaching people. And I think polling becomes much harder because people are resistant. Uh, I, I mean, who, who picks up the phone and uh, answers, uh, answers a complete political poll? 
do you do it? Oh, oh no. And and actually, you know, you can say hell no. <laughs> hell no. But who even has a phone these days? So now, you know, right. depending on the database you're using, um, and I know on my cell phone, if it's an unidentified number, I don't answer that phone. Um, and if I do accidentally happen to answer it, because sometimes we have in Memphis, um, where I live, sometimes the local polling people will, you know, they're they're calling from a local number, and I'll think, oh, maybe this is somebody I should talk to. Who knows? It's a 901 number. Um, and I instantly tell them, oh, oh no, thank you. I don't want to take your poll click. Um, so I also wonder, I think sometimes the the population that's willing to answer these questions are all one and the same. <laughs> and I think they just keep going back to the same pool of people who have the same thoughts every time. I wonder, and there's so much, we, we're going to take a break in just a minute, but uh, there's so many different aspects of that now. And I, and you're right, I hadn't, I hadn't directly even thought about the uh, who has a home phone anymore. I have a home phone, but uh, I send everybody to the Jolly Roger Telephone Company and don't get my and don't answer anything anymore. So uh, but we have lots we're going to talk about, I think, about this subject because it is uh, very timely. And it's a good thing that Merritt was standing by the highway when you drove by and and, 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 and dragged you <laughs> off the road. That's good. Hey, everybody, uh, you're, we're, we're, we have Kim Marks Malone with us uh, again. We were so happy to have her with us on the uh, Brand Ambassadors. And uh, we're looking forward to taking your calls, getting your emails. Uh, but first, we got to take a break, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When business people think PR, they usually think spin, good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You 
are listening to The Brand Ambassadors. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the Brand Ambassadors. I am Merritt Hamilton Allen, joined by co-host Gary Potterfield, uh, guest Kim Marks Malone, and Isabella the Anatolian Shepherd, who seems uh, to feel that she needs to uh, open her microphone every time our theme music comes on. So, thank you, Isabella, for the uh, for the contribution. Uh, we were just talking about. Uh, uh, polling and how different people read polls. And I was uh, taping uh, New Mexico in Focus yesterday, and one of our congressional race polls is five points apart. And so uh, the Republican sitting next to me, Dan Foley, says, everyone's talking about a blue wave. Five points? That's nothing. Where's the blue wave? It should be 20. And then Giovanna Rossi, sitting next to Dan, the Democrat, says, five points, I'll take it. We're up five points. And so I I think that, to Kim's point, is you can make almost anything you want out of a poll. And what's also, I think, something to uh, be uh, aware of is how is the poll constructed and how are the questions asked? You know, Kim, talk a little bit how a poll is scripted. Oh, that's so key. So depending on how you ask the questions, um, you know, are they leading questions? Are you are you giving the, the respondent kind of the answer you're looking for in the way you write the question? And then what another thing people don't think about is who is asking the questions? Um, it's very different to be reading the question and responding than it is to have somebody with a script over the phone, um, their voice inflection, their you know, just the way they say the words, the questioning. Um, it can really cause a respondent to double think their answer or to to kind of follow along and be led down a path of, you know, answering the way the pollster wants. Um, so definitely the way you write the questions is key. Um, and a lot of people don't think about that. They're just like, oh, I'm going to ask, you know, I'm going to survey and ask a poll and I'm just going to make up some questions and away I go. Um, but then you end up with double barrel questions. You end up with leading questions. Just, you know, it goes on and on down that rabbit hole. But shouldn't most questions be closed ended like yes, no answer questions? Or I mean, are they are they a variety of, of, of that and open ended questions? How does it, from that perspective, how does it work? I, in my experience, it's usually a variety, especially if it's going to be a spoken poll, um, you know, a spoken script, um, because you want you want to be able to get some context to their answers and give respondents an opportunity to say things in their own words. But you also want to make sure that you are asking those questions um, that are that are closed, that have very specific um, answers that you're asking them to give you. That way, you can actually look at the data and you know analyze the data in a realistic way. Yeah, if I may, it would just seem like in an election, it would be something like, who are you voting for? And there's only like two or three choices, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> two or three choices. And and why are you voting for them? Oh, there is that. Well, well in, in uh, my experience, <laughs> I, I picked up a couple polls. One of them uh, involved me, which was uh, kind of amusing. And, um, uh, you know, I listened in as um, a neighbor poll and it would end uh, I'm exaggerating somewhat but it was pretty much um, candidate A 
and this is for a Republican primary, candidate A has pretty much shown that she is somewhat to the left of Elizabeth Warren and hates America. Candidate B uh, uh, loves the flag, loves the Second Amendment, and wants more jobs for everyone. Now, based on that, would you prefer candidate A or candidate B? <laughs> There's no leading there at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but isn't that isn't that type of poll just trying? Is that really trying to get data, or is that trying to convince the person being called? Who they're going to vote for. I think it's trying to convince the person who you're talking to who they're going to vote for. And then also they can then take that data and it shows, hey, look, everybody's voting for, you know, candidate B. Mm-hmm. Um, and Do you think it works? Run with it. I think it does sometimes. Because um, I think people are very easy to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, depending on how you phrase a question, you know, if that mm-hmm. question was posed to me, in my mm-hmm. mind, I'd be like, oh, Gosh, I want jobs. I want jobs for my neighbors. Mm-hmm. You know, I want jobs for my city and state. So, um, and I don't really think about sometimes the uh, in this scenario with merit. You know, the candidate A um, that that may not have meant anything to them, but then the way they phrase that candidate B with the jobs and, and yeah. putting those key words of issues yeah. that 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 person really cares about. That's what they focus in on. Um, they don't even really hear the other stuff about the other candidates. So, I think it does work. Well, just a quick follow-up, what I found interesting about that is a co- also a couple of my neighbors would ask, um, the, you know, the pollsters saying, um, you know, candidate A is my, my neighbor, and this is just goofy, and don't you even know any of the facts? And they explain, no, ma'am, we're just given a script. Yep. Yes. So they, <laughs> right. they hired someone to do it, and that's that's really funny that they would actually admit that. Um, but it's true that the people who are reading the script they have no idea you know the, they're not subject matter experts on them the folks they're talking about they're just literally reading the words off the paper and taking down the responses um, so then you've got you've got some things lost in translation there as well I think there's another thing that happens uh, I would imagine that um, one of the um, is the is the poll as a self-fulfilling prophecy in other words so you, so the poll comes out and it says something well and maybe maybe the exact opposite of a self-fulfilling prophecy like in the 2016 election where maybe people said on the democratic side said well I, why don't I, I don't need to bother going I got other things to do today I don't need to go to the poll we're going to win anyway you know because the poll told me that it's a landslide so you know the poll actually impacts the you know the the election itself. It doesn't just inform of what's going on. It helps. It actually changes what's going on in terms of the election. I think that's totally possible, especially in 2016. I think we saw some of that, um, and it works. It works the other way too. Is I think some people think, oh well, I don't need to go vote because you know we're ahead by you know a landslide. Then I think that it works the other way too. Sometimes folks are like, oh, my vote's not going to matter because we're so far behind. Um, right. So a lot of times the other side happens too. They just, oh, my vote's not going to matter because the polls show that we don't have a chance. Well, and I, I've learned that's a very specific tactic, and it's especially used with social media um, and um, uh, 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 digital advertising and voter suppression. It, that that is a specific tactic is um, uh, convincing a certain targeted group of people why they don't need to go vote. Yeah, and I think it's probably I think it's very effective too, especially when you when you come to large groups of people, it becomes kind of a herd mentality. You know, mm-hmm. oh well, you know, you talk to your friend. Well, I'm not going to go vote because I, they don't need my vote, or it doesn't matter if I vote. Um, and they all feed off each other, and then you end up, you know, that tactic works. Now, of course, the three of us, all being former military, it never occurred to me. Not to vote. 
I always did my absentee oh, ballot, no I matter where I was. And I, I vote now. You know, I'm a resident of Tennessee now, so mm-hmm. I voted my first Tennessee election last year. Um, well, I don't, what state were you a resident of in the military? Washington. Washington. Washington State. So, How about you, Gary? Well, I started off as a Marylander, and then um, when I realized that if, when Maryland uh, taxes for were, were for were, were worse for a military member than New Jersey taxes, that I, that's how bad Maryland taxes were. So I became a <laughs> resident of New Jersey. So I was voting for Jersey people, whoever the hell they were. Uh, back but then, you, you, know. you did your absentee ballot. Oh, sure. I, mean, I, I think. That, yeah, I, I, and I think that's interesting. There's always somebody who gets the duty of. Um, the voting, the voting officer. Yeah, the voting <laughs> officer to make sure everybody gets their absentee ballot, and I've had that um, uh, silly duty. Uh, and uh, not the voting is silly, but I've never. Uh, in the military, people are either absolutely this is part of my duty. I'm a participating citizen. That's why I'm in the military. I'm really serious about being involved with my country, or they take the approach the military is apolitical. Yeah, and I shouldn't. I shouldn't take a side. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't think a voting officer does uh, has has much uh, uh, to do with that. But no, I, I've, that's why I've always thought the notion of voter suppression is so interesting. Well, it's funny for me, Merrick, because I have two. I have three eighteen-year-olds. Just turned eighteen in August, um, and I have one who hasn't registered to vote, and then I have two who have, um, and. It's funny kind of listening to them talk amongst themselves and with their peers and to hear my daughter say things like um, to her friends in college, well, if you're going to complain about it and you're not registered to vote, um, then you, you you have no reason to complain because you're not trying to make a change. Um, so I, I was glad to see someone in her generation thinking that way, mm-hmm. that if you're going to complain about it or you want to make a change, you actually have to get out there and participate in the system. Yeah, and that's an interesting uh, point is, you know, for some reason, uh, millennials and whoever comes after, and I can't even keep track of that. I can't either. Well, whatever your 18-year-olds are, whatever generation label they have, um, that's that's like the new magic key that, you know, we Gen Xers and boomers are trying to uh, break into. And just my very informal discussions tell me that, oh, yeah, these folks vote. They do not vote a straight ticket. They actually are concerned about issues and they want to know who they're voting for. And uh, is direct mail the way? Is YouTube video the way? I don't know. But uh, absolutely, uh, the younger generation is voting, and I think they're putting more thought into it than we are because they're they're not they're not tied by party lines. They do not feel party loyalty. No, they don't at all. Um, I know with my students, we had a huge voter uh, registration, I guess, push rally on campus, and it was amazing to see the turnout of folks who uh, were voting for the first time, and to watch them attend. They love to attend. For my students, at least, they love to actually go hear the candidates speak. We had several debates that were hosted around the city for local mm-hmm. elections and for governor elections in Tennessee. And uh, the student turnout was amazing. A lot more students than anybody else. And just I'll, I'll let uh, you take us to break, Gary, in a minute. I just wanted to know one thing also is a tactic. A lot of candidates, particularly incumbents, won't go to those. They will not go to the forums. They will not go to the debates because they see no reason to expose themselves to the risk of public perception. Yeah, we had a, a candidate who refused to and actually backfired on her. Um, she got a lot of flack on social media from the, the students who wanted to hear her speak and ask her questions. Hmm. Well, it's encouraging to hear that that's what's happening on campus because I was afraid you are going to say something like that You know, kids are saying – of course I vote. I, I vote like seven times a day on Facebook. There's a, a vote about the, <laughs> <laughs> and I hit the button. There's all, I, I'm always voting. 
Uh, I'm always anyway. hungry for something. <laughs> That's right. Uh, which is, uh, uh, anyway, uh, we are talking about uh, data collection. We're talking about voting. We're talking about polling. And uh, we have uh, our guest, Kim Marks Malone, with us, uh, sitting with, in Albuquerque-ish with, uh, with Merritt. And uh, we're going to be T. back. T. Harris. Yeah, well, I said, I said Albuquerque-ish. Didn't I? Didn't that cover yes, it? Yes, you did. Thank you. Yeah, spell that. Spell that out loud if you can. <laughs> and we are going to be back with you in just a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When business people think PR, they usually think spin, good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program Welcome back to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Gary Ponderfield, along with Merritt Hamilton Allen and our guest uh, this week, uh, Kim Marks Malone. We are talking about uh, polling, among other things. And um, uh, I'm looking at uh, headline on the Hill, uh, uh, the web, their website. Midterms are a chance for polling industry to redeem itself, says pollster. So, um, 
uh, Kim, in your uh, in your opinion, is that true? Is it is it a chance for them to do that, or is polling just uh, is it just uh, yesterday's news? Not not worth not, a kind of OBE overtaken by technology, maybe. I think that's a two-sided answer, Gary. <laughs> I think I think polling is dead. Um, I don't see the value behind it anymore. I think that people use the, like Merritt said, it's the PR of, of statistics. Um, you can kind of make it say whatever you want. I think other folks want you to believe that, you know, this is the chance for redemption, that polls are going to, you know, swoop back up and save the world. Particularly companies who make their living off of polling. Yes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so if, it, if it's dead, what's the answer? You know, I don't know what the answer is, Merit. Um, I, I think there's always going to be polls. I don't think you can get around it. Um, they have to have some way of saying this is what the people think. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that public like, in, in general need to um, educate themselves more and to be more critical of the polls that they see and not just take it at face value. I think people need to look into, you know, what is that margin of error? How was the sample drawn? Um, you know, maybe even at some, depending on the poll, can you get your hands on the questions? How, you know, what were the questions? How were they asked? Um, and to really, um, you know, you talk about being literate with the media, you need to be poll literate as well and understand what the numbers are really saying, not what the people are making them say. Does that make sense? <laughs> right. I have a thought. I have a thought. Can you give an example? Though? Oh, I was just going to say, if I may, that, that if you think about it, what's the real benefit? I mean, to the voter, what in the world is the benefit of the poll? I, if you think about that, it's just like, wait a minute, it, maybe it's refreshing if the voter is is wow you have to make a decision without having to follow follow the you know be a sheep and follow everybody else what if you have to actually look at what's going on and make a decision so what's the benefit to the voter of a poll that's what i would wonder i think the benefit is that so many people don't want to take the time to do that research and homework Um, they want someone to tell them who's in the lead or who is the the best for this issue or, you know, who agrees with what I agree with. Um, and I just think that's the reality we live in is people like to be spoon fed their information. Um, they don't want to take the time to look at 17 different, you know, they all want to watch one station and they don't want to take the time to dig around and find out the real facts. So a poll is, um, it's very serving for the folks doing the poll and for the candidates because they can kind of spoon feed the story the way they want it. And the voters are willing to take it. Most of them. You know, something I, I saw the League of Women Voters has their candidate um, uh, review out now in New Mexico, and I think I think that's a good service. Of course, there are plenty of other partisan groups, only partisan groups, uh, who have created their own um, uh, candidate questionnaires. So it's a matter of, um, as Americans kind of choose the flavor of their. Uh, Sorry, we're having a very funny dog moment. But, uh, you know, we choose the flavor of our news and information. Is it Does it come from a political bias with which we um, agree? And I think you get that now with candidate information. So I think it's, it's more hard to be discerning. I guess I thought I want to ask is 2016 for the U.S. anyway was the uh, year of big data. Yes. And... Uh, what does that mean, not just for political elections, but what does that mean for PR? And what do you tell your students about that? Um, for big, like how we should use big data? Yeah. What big data is about? Um, 
I tell my students that gone are the days when they can do public relations and not care about numbers. Uh, so many people come in our field because they they don't like math. Oh, God, and I'm so tired of hearing that. It's like you better you better it's learn like it better if you want to build. Uh, yes, definitely. But I tell them now that there there's just so much data out there, and you really need to think about um, how to tell a story with it. Um, data can tell a really great story. And the other beautiful thing about it is, depending on you know who you're advocating for, uh, like we said before, you can make the numbers tell your story. You just have to dig for them and find the information and understand how to use them, which is going to involve a little bit of math and you know statistics. Um, but yeah, I think big data is here to stay. Data is collected on us and everywhere we go, every minute of the day, um, and most of it's available, a lot of it for free. You just have to know where to look. Is that something that's coming into the college curriculum now? It is. Well, we um, have developed a couple classes on using data and how to tell a story with data. And the other thing that's really big is how to tell the visual story with data. Because so many people aren't going to sit down and read um, you know, a lot of text with numbers in it. You have to be able to do an infographic or do a graph or a chart. Um, you have to be able to display the numbers graphically so that they can see them. And then you have to figure out how you put those in context for whatever issue you're discussing. Um, that's the key. And we're starting to really develop some classes around that and to try and show real world examples and get the students to start thinking that way. Well, I, th- <clears throat> well, I think it would be interesting, maybe you're doing it already, but it would be an interesting experiment at the very least to take uh, uh, to, to, for your students to take the data and say, okay, uh, you, all you on the left here, left side of the room, or or maybe you count them off one, two, one, two, one, two. You you present a picture uh, on uh, like this with the data with the same data. Now you guys on the other side paint the exact opposite picture with the same data, and I bet you that you could do it. That's one of the. I think maybe I'm just thinking that maybe that's one of the dangers of data is, that, is so much of it you can do whatever the heck you want with it and make it tell whatever story you want. That uh, so, that, I just it's just a thought. I may have my next assignment, Gary. Thanks. <laughs> um, I we show them real world examples of that. And elect, you know, twenty sixteen election was so full of those kind of polls where you could look at the Republicans and what they were saying with this, the poll, and then you could go over to the Democrats and see what they were saying. You know, the the number, the exact same numbers were in their favor. Um, so that is that's a really good example, and that's what I try to teach them, and why I think it's so important that everybody be really critical with the way they look at polling numbers, because you can take those numbers and twist them to be in whatever favor you want it to be. Well, I think also um, while in the 2016 elections people are going back and forth with poll numbers, meanwhile, the winning presidential candidate what uh, his team was doing, they were building the profile of the perfect voter on social media, on digital media, on uh, using big data. And that's the that's the only audience they spoke to. They did not care about alienating the far right, the far left, the center. They built an entire narrative around um, a, a specific targeted demographic that they built with key data. And to me, that blew up polling. There was no point. Yeah, there was no point. And I think they still do that today. I mean, if you look at the, their messages and the way they do business, mm-hmm. they, they've got their demographic that they know supports them based on big data, mm-hmm. um, and they just run with it. My goodness. So where does that leave us, guys? I don't know where that leaves us with uh, with uh, with what we do with data, what we do with polling. Um it kind of leaves me wondering, uh, I don't know, if, where do we go? What, what do we do in an election season? What's the, 
I guess what's the successful answer? And it sounds like Merritt, you provided it uh, for how to win. And what's the good answer for the country? I guess that's not a, that's not a good question. I know, but I'm just I, I wonder. I guess I mean here, here's here, here's my thing is um, you know given the fact that presidential campaigns can be almost as uh, uh, skilled at NSA at data mining and uh, building a profile of a, I, I, uh, to me, it's uh, for the individual voter, you have to decide, is that me? Is this speaking to me? Um, uh, do I want to be uh, part of this paradigm or am I going, am I going to uh, reject it? And what I think about is given uh, the way that surveying and polling has uh, declined, if you will, in the last few years, when we do organizational communications, which is a lot of what we do at Vox Optima, uh, let's think about the employee survey. Is there even a point anymore? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there is. I think there's a point. Um, I think you can get some valuable information from it. But again, I think it all goes back to how do you conduct that you know, survey or that poll? Um, are you... Are, are you trying to do a, a true poll where you're really trying to get some true data so you're not using those types of questions Merritt talked about where you're leading your respondent down the path you want them to go? Or do you really um, put some time and effort into the questions and forming the questions to learn true data that, that will help you make a change or know who's ahead or you know what the issues are? Um, and uh, that takes time, effort, and resources. And a lot of folks don't want to put that time, effort, and resource into it. And, you know, I think that's hard also today because, um, you know, in the perfect 1980s PR model, uh, you go in with a blank slate, you would survey, you would research to find out uh, what the actual perceptions were, you'd build a campaign around those perceptions, and then you'd survey again. We don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, the, The digital age has killed that type of polling. And I think it's a real struggle for organizations to learn what's really important um, uh, to their stakeholders, members, employees. And it, it's not like most companies are, are going to go data mine their employees' email. They can. No, they can if they want, but, but that's... But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so how, you know, how do you reach... Uh, a sophisticated uh, digital employee in in 2018 with content that's relevant to them, and to me though that is an old PR story. And you, for a workplace, it's um, putting the information that you want them to have in the context of information they want to have, like traffic, um, uh, lunch. You know, people care about getting to work, uh, why the air conditioner is not working, and the weather. And when do I get to eat? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and what you know, what and what's the menu? And what's, what's the, the menu going to be? When yeah, what's the cafeteria menu? I mean, that that's that's the information people want, and what you have to do is be creative about getting information you want them to have in that in the context of that message. Um, I can't believe how fast this has gone by. Uh, we are coming up on our last segment. We haven't even invited anyone um, outside of the intros and outros to come join our conversation. But if you'd like to ask a question for Kim, because um, she's fully caffeinated, she's not going anywhere, <laughs> she's stuck here, drop us a line at brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com. We'll be right back after this for our final segment.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program Welcome back to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Gary Potterfield, along with Merritt Hamilton Allen and uh, and Kim Marks Malone, and we're, uh, we're we've been talking uh, pretty much the whole hour about um, uh, polling and uh, and and data collection, and uh, and we're kind of getting to the the thought that uh, it's uh, you know maybe it's uh, past its prime or maybe you know overtaken by technology, and and uh, and not as effective as it once was. So the one thought that comes to me is, is there a way, uh, given the nature of where we are technologically, everyone with a smartphone and, and all the information we, we get inundated with all the time, is there a way, do we think, to objectively get the, the beliefs of, of, of voters or of employees or somebody without, without doing some sort of a formal poll? What do you ladies think about that? I'd like to know what the next technology is going to be. I think, I, I don't know, Merritt, I think that polls are still the only way we have to do it. The problem is that the information is so instantaneous. Uh, really, by the time you collect your data, it's out of date. Um, people are, they've gathered more information and they may have changed their mind. Um, so I think really technology is going to be the key to how to better polls in the future. Well, I think the challenge is a traditional one. It's very hard to get a data expert and a PR expert in the same person. They tend to be separate fields. And when you look at trying to leverage technology uh, to do research and get information, the IT department has got to speak with communications department. And that is an ongoing challenge in every organization. Um, And it's uh, both from ignorance on both sides, um, a sense of... uh, 
concern about security on the technical side. Um, and I think that's a gap that has to be bridged because I was just thinking what would be so brilliant is if you've got everybody on a company network or uh, an organization network, if uh, – uh, they were able to open if they saw an email that they wanted to open it and they got the pop-up ad that says, hey, answer a quick question for us. Um, do you want to um, see more uh, uh, electric car charging stations in the parking garage? Yes, no, whatever. Right. And, and maybe do it that way. Uh, you know, and it would take, it would take a, a much more uh, uh, concentrated effort on everyone's part because also the other thing is, you know, the biggest problem I see when it comes to employee surveys, as an example, is you're creating a perception amongst the employees that you, one, care about what they say, and two, will change things to um, reflect uh, their preferences. And when you take no action, uh, then, then your audience becomes very uh, uh, jaded and cynical about your polling. And so I, I think... Uh, I, it's going to take a lot more labor. It's going to take you a know, lot more labor. Yes, it takes. It, it's something that you have to do. Actually, the uh, now that I think about it, and I've mentioned this anecdotally in other episodes, um, I think uh, it's actually we may be farther along in knowing what people want than we think. I've, I mentioned once about uh, something I'd heard about a uh, you know target. The, the, the store target using just just by purchase decisions were able to determine that a young lady was pregnant even though she never bought anything related to pregnancy or childbirth and they were able to give her a coupon coupons for like uh, you know for like diapers and stuff and they they just simply by the data they collected on her so Maybe they know a hell of a lot more about us than we ever thought. Maybe they know who we want to vote for without us having to tell them. I don't know if that's good or bad. It sounds kind of scary, actually, but I don't know what your thoughts are about that. But I bet you that's, I bet you a lot of that is going on. Oh, of course it is. I mean, look at the ads that you get <laughs> when you search for something. It, it always scares me that, that I can search for something in Google and then I go to Facebook and suddenly within a moment I'm getting ads for whatever it was I searched for in Google. Um, you know, and what really freaked me out was on my birthday, which was recently, I sat down and opened my browser and the Google, the little Google thing at the top, the little animated thing um, was like birthday candles. And I was like, oh, I share a birthday with somebody famous because those are uh -huh. always for somebody famous. And I clicked on it and it said, happy birthday, Kim. Oh, they know it's my birthday. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then everywhere I went on Facebook, everything that day, I was getting birthday targeted ads. And I was like, this this is a little nerve wracking. I don't know. They know me really well. <laughs> but they probably yeah, also is, uh, know who you vote who you vote for and what your what your interests are. And, and I think it's almost inevitable. Mm -hmm. I think it is, too. And I think I think the challenge for us, uh, back as PR practitioners, is how do we scale those massive tools uh, down into bits and bytes that are relevant for our clients and the results they want to get? Yes, and that's that's the challenge. So I remember Gary uh, when we were first doing digital signage um, for one of our Navy clients. Um, you really wanted to find a way to bring that same content into an employee's PC that uh, the command content was getting to them somehow. And I think, oh, I'm gonna use a favorite cliche, now more than ever. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be especially relevant, particularly when it comes uh, to data collection. 
And I think the voice has to be really considered. And to do um, advertising or Facebook-style polls uh, for employees to get to key content on their intranet or their email, maybe maybe something we look at. Of course, we have to make friends with an IT department in the government real fast. <laughs> <laughs> that could take some. That could be a challenge. Right. <laughs> You know, it, it relates a little bit to when I was doing a little bit of research on when we were going to talk about Lyle and, and uh, remember that he uh, it was affiliated with um, St. Joseph Communication and, and Mark Mantha was as well up in Canada. And I just went on their website and they have a, a they have this uh, graphic uh, that shows a plate and they have this word cope, C-O-P-E. It's create once, publish everywhere. It's the same. In other words, uh, that was kind of our digital signage mentality is, hey, you're already creating a, taking a picture, a grip and grin. Let's get it everywhere we can. And it could be the same thing with data collection, information collection is that, uh, you know, you, you know what you want to get. And now let's let's go after them as you mentioned. Let's go after them on their smartphone. Let's go after them on their uh, this sounds bad saying go after them, but uh, talk to them on their cell phone, talk to them on their uh, on their desktop computer and everywhere else in their life. So kind of, you know, Gary, what you just said kind of brings me back to what we were laughingly saying about the, this generation, how they say, oh, I, I take polls and answer questions all the time. I vote all the time. Um, it's true, though. I mean, there are so many tools built into um, Instagram these days where you can do that instant poll, Facebook with the polls. Even Twitter, you can do the instant polls. Um, and maybe that is one avenue, especially if you're trying to reach a younger demographic, that that's an instant way to get your data and pretty simple way to, you know, collate it and analyze it and then act on it. But I think the key there, as Merritt said, is if you're using it in your organization and public relations, um, that action piece has to be included. You can't just get all that data and then, you know, tell your boss about it and never do anything with it. All right. All right. Yeah, that's that makes me think of uh, one of the uh, uh, surveys we did and a, a, a big uh, a big audit, a big study, the communications audit. And I swear to God, that 30-page document has probably moved into three different file cabinets as the organization moved and has never been opened. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, no one's looked at it. Hey, I just, I, apropos of nothing, so, I, I thought but, of a great name for a, a really bad name for a polling company. Want to hear it? Uh, out, of, out of data. Yeah. Out of data. Because you were talking about oh, no. everything's out of, out of data as soon as you do it. How it goes out. It is. It is. It's instantaneous. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. That's a good one. Well, um, what you know, Gary and I we're going back uh, into the fight uh, next week, working with um, a large government uh, IT organization to try and get some digital content to its employees. So we're we're back in the fight, trying to make the the communications. Well, and what's interesting is the IT folks and the PR folks both call themselves communicators, but. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, in very yeah, separate, very separate ways. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we're the real communicators because right. people want to hear what we have to say. <laughs> yeah, it's not propaganda; it's communications. Mm. Yes. But uh, Gary and I will be uh, back in it uh, next week, um, uh, looking looking to bridge uh, gaps between uh, uh, the PR, PR and the tech worlds. But Kim, thank you so much for joining us because oh, you, you. have. Had to because you're already here. <laughs> I am. I'm captain. So uh, Kim Marks Malone, thanks so much. Gary Potterfield, uh, as always, uh, delightful chatting with you. Thanks to our intrepid engineer uh, Aaron at Voice America. I'm Merritt Hamilton Allen. Thanks so much for listening. Thank 
you for tuning in this week to the Brand Ambassadors. Please join Merritt Hamilton Allen and Gary Potterfield for another edition next Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.